in the vows that the uh, uh, young boys and girls had just made, they said about Christ, and I'm, I got the vows in front of me here, uh, they called him Lord, they called Jesus Lord, they called him Christ, they called him the Son of God, they called him the Savior. Our text today is another famous uh, summary of who Christ is. It's a little creedal statement. Uh, many of you probably heard it. You may not know exactly where it is in the Bible. And we're going to look at where it is in the Bible, how it's used in the Bible. And I want you to love this creedal statement uh, because the Bible wants you to love this creedal statement. What is this creedal statement? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and this little statement, this little creed is inserted between two commands or exhortations. And we'll see that uh, in a second. Uh, and then we'll see how the creed applies uh, to the two exhortations. Hopefully, this sermon will have you understand that creed. He, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we'll nuance out all the little angles to that. And then that you can apply this creed. In our text, he's going to apply it in two ways, but you can apply this in a million ways. That Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, if you will, take your bulletin or take your Bible, and we'll read uh, the grand text. I'm going to read, this is Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to read 7 through the beginning of 9. Verse 8 is our key verse. Beginning at 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teaching. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how grand to see those by the power of the Spirit that have come to you. These happen to be younger people, but many person comes to you. We thank you for that. And they have put their trust in the many things you say about Christ. And today we're thinking of him as living, being forever and ever immutable and the Savior of sinners throughout all generations. We pray all this in the name of him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's look at verse 8 for several minutes before we go to the verse before it and the verse after it. Again, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a creedal statement. It's like several others in the Bible. Notice in this creedal statement, it temporally or time-wise gives you all the way eternity past to eternity future. This should remind you of other similar verses, uh, which are a whole bunch of times in the Bible. There's the following verse, quoted many times. I am the first, and I am the last. See the covering that's the triune God and Christ... Uh, the Father says it, the Son says it, and the Holy Spirit says, I am the first and I am the last. Or in the book of Revelation, uh, it says about aspects of the triune God, who is, 
who was and who is to come. And so there's these great statements in the Bible covering all eternity and ours is like it. Another interesting thing about our verse 8, although uh, in the book of Hebrews, the exact expression, Jesus Christ, is only used three times, and they're all in special verses. Normally he says Jesus, but here, Jesus Christ, and you can feel the creed coming. Uh, Jesus Christ. Also notice, there's no kind of, there's no conjunctions, there's no ands or therefores or buts before and after our creedal statement. He's going to give two commands, and in between them, boom, the creedal statement. You're supposed to feel the weight of that, uh, this uh, creedal uh, statement. Now, what does the creed emphasize about Christ? Well, the first angle, yesterday, today, and forever, it emphasizes the eternality, he's forever, of his person. The, the word the same emphasizes he's immutable. Fancy word for he does not change. Okay, let's think about that for just a few minutes. That he's eternal. The person of Christ. He has two natures upon his incarnation. And now he's fully divine. Eternity past, fully divine, the person of Christ. And then at the incarnation, he takes on human nature. So he's fully divine, fully human, forever and ever. But uh, this text here is first emphasizing his divine nature. He's divine. He's forever. Now, intriguingly, and also the word same, that word same is used previously in chapter 1, if you want to run there. Hebrews chapter 1, and you'll see the eternality aspect of Christ. There's many angles to Christ. Our vows today emphasized him as Savior, but Jesus is also, because he's divine, he's the creator. And that's what it's going to emphasize in chapter 1. Chapter 1 emphasizes a whole bunch of things. Uh, but uh, go to chapter 1. I'll read the first couple verses, and this is going to talk about Jesus in many ways, but one as creator. Uh, verse 1. Long ago, many times, many places, many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. In these last days, he's spoken by the Son. What about the Son? Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom the Father created the whole world. Jesus is the exact radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by his power. There are two statements. Jesus was part of the creation of the world. He's also part of the upholding everything that's going on. He is eternal in that he's a creator. Okay, that's first four verses. Then, verse 5 to 13, the author of Hebrews runs to the Old Testament to prove all these statements he just made, and the proving the creation part, Go down to verse 10. And, meaning about Jesus, and Jesus, you, Lord, it's talking about Jesus, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. You made the heavens out of the work of your hands. They, creation, will eventually perish, but you, Almighty God, will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe they will roll them up, like a garment they will not be changed. But you are the same. Look at that, chapter 1, verse 12. And he picks up on that in chapter 13, verse 8. You are the same. Your years 
will have no end. Book of Hebrews says many things about Jesus Christ. One is that he's divine. One angle of that is he's the divine creator. He's also the divine priest, divine this, a whole bunch of things. Uh, but here, in our statement, it's emphasizing that he is the creator. He is divine. You go back to chapter 13, verse 8. Also on the thing, the same, he doesn't change. That's a little confusing. Doesn't God change? It's divine nature, answer, no. From your perspective, it may look like he changes. And now I'm quoting from a, a Dutch guy named Bavink. There is change all around God, about him outside of God. There is a change in people's relationship to God, but there's no change in God himself. God does not change. His essence does not change. You, as you interact with him, it seems like God is changing, and God has so designed the world this way, but God does not change. From your perspective, you're interacting with a God, and again, he's worked that out. Now, if you even think about it, if God, if God is perfect, and then he changed, that implies he wasn't perfect, because now he's like more perfect. So God doesn't change. The divine nature does not change. Our God is the same. From our perspective, it seems like he's changing, but he's the same. Now, in addition, back to 13.8, that his divine nature does not change, he's also making the point that considering Jesus as the mediator, meaning he mediated between uh, God and sinners, there's a sense that his redemptive work does not change. His redemptive work is the same in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, he died, he takes on human nature, he dies on the cross and then resurrected, but he dies on the cross and his work applies backwards to the Old Testament and forwards to us. So his redemptive work does not change. He's the same in the Old Testament. His promises do not change. We would say that his work sort of grows from the Old Testament to the New Testament. A lot of times we'll use an uh, organic metaphor like a seed grows up to a tree. It's the same Christ. In some sense, the benefits change and how he interacts in the Old Testament to the New Testament, but it's still ultimately the same salvation. In the Old Testament and New Testament, to be saved, as our vows said, you have to be saved by grace. You, you do not deserve it. It is not your merit. You are legally called righteous. You are declared legally perfect. And in addition to that, you're given the Holy Spirit to change and live for him as well as you can in this life. And then you get to the end game of the new heavens and new earth. Jesus Christ is divine. He's the same. He doesn't change. His redemptive work over the Old and New Testament is the same. He saves all people that are saved by grace and changes them through the Holy Spirit.
So look in your Bibles at 13.8. The writer of Hebrews wanted you to love that verse. Do you like that verse? Look at it. Jesus Christ is the same. He doesn't change. Yesterday, today, and forever. My Savior, your Savior, loves you and loves other people that are true believers in the same way. Your Savior is divine. He's creator and he's the Savior. Let's look at how he applied it in context. Again, a million implications of this. Let's look at verse 7. The verse before the creed. He's talking about leaders here, leaders who have died. He's going to talk about living leaders later, but we're not on that. Uh, this would be the uh, dead leaders. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke past tense to you, they've just died. To the, who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of the way of their life, that they were believers in Jesus, they trusted Jesus, and they died trusting Jesus. And then he says, imitate their faith, both the doctrines they had and the way they lived uh, and the confidence they had at the end. Now, how does that relate to verse 8? Well, once you think about it for a minute or two, it's pretty obvious. Uh, they believed in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. It's the same Jesus. Therefore, the lessons they had and the things they learned about Jesus are lessons for you. It's the same Savior. Therefore, whomever the Savior has touched and changed can be a learning lesson for you. Imitate your leaders. Why? It's the same Savior. He's the same. He interacted with them the same. He saved them the same way. He changed them the same way by the Holy Spirit. Remember your, in this case, dead leaders. So how can we apply that today? Well, you probably do know some dead leaders, uh, but I'll, I'll make a recommendation. Take it as you will. Uh, it is good to read about believers in the past. And in fact, in the book of the, uh, here in Hebrews, he's, the previous couple verses, he talks about the Old Testament. And if you happen to know chapter 11 of Hebrews, it was Old Testament people. Uh, so people in the Bible you can learn from. But here he's talking about people that weren't recorded in the Bible. New Testament Christians. How might you learn about two New Testament people post-New Testament and aid you? A lot of ways. Here's my one suggestion. Happens to be a publishing company called Christian Focus. ChristianFocus.com. Uh, and they, Bible-believing publishers, they have all kinds of biographies of Christians. They have different love ages of biographies of Christians. They have Christians that are in the military, Christians that were political uh, things they did for Christ. Uh, all kinds. 
Christians with difficulties. They also have, which is very nice, they have a children's section. They have a teenager section. They have adults' sections. They have various levels, uh, depending on what your reading abilities are, your knowledge background. Uh, Our text tells us to remember our leaders and imitate them. One way, read a Christian biography. Be a nice thing to do. Where was some of our young children? Uh, You know, that website has stuff, your reading level. Parents, uh, give uh, some biographies. Uh, God has so designed the world, it's not the most important thing, but interacting with dead people is in the Bible. You can learn from dead Christians right there in the Bible. Uh, and my little suggestion, go to a, the publisher called Christian Focus because they have all kinds of things uh, to look at. Let's go to the other verse, the verse after, 9a. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teaching. So in the context of Hebrews, uh, some of the people were being tempted uh, to leave the church and go back to uh, apparently some kind of version of Jewish theology. We don't know all the details there, uh, but they're tempted to go away to bad theology. Uh, and of course, the obvious point is he's making with verse 8, how does it relate to verse 8? Oh, the theology is the same. It's the same in the Old Testament, properly understood. It's the same in the New Testament. Since Jesus is the same, you don't go to new stuff outside the Bible. It's kind of obvious. The doctrine of the Bible, properly understood, does not change. What's the implication of that for us? Go to a church that sticks to the Bible. Pretty easy as its primary standard or its primary authority. Not be led away by diverse and strange teaching because the Bible's theology stays true forever. Or another way to say it, sometimes I say in class, uh, be as balanced as the Bible's balanced. What the Bible emphasizes, your church should emphasize. What the Bible does in a minor way, your church should include but in a minor way. The the actions of the triune God, as our creed here, should be front and center in every Bible-believing church. Again, the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God, but in proper proportion. So the Bible is the primary standard, but... How else do I learn about, assume you move to another city, so you can't go to this church. You've got to choose a church. Well, you want them to say the Bible is the primary standard. You know, it would be nice if the church you're thinking about going to actually wrote down what they think are the main points of the Bible. That would be nice. And we call these a creed. And in the Presbyterian world, we call the creeds secondary standards. Primary standard Bible. Creeds aren't perfect, but they're very useful to read. Read a creed. Uh, 
And we have the Westminster Standards, as we call it, Westminster Confession of Faith, Larger and Shorter Catechisms. It'd be nice to read that. Uh, it's a summary of what this particular church and many churches that agree to that believe. It's nice to write it down. Remember, verse 9 is talking to you individually and corporately. Do not be led away. You ought to check out what the church believes. Read their secondary standard, not the primary standard. The secondary standard is a creed. Now, how does these creeds work in this example, the Presbyterian system, for uh, ministers? What's the relationship between the scripture primary standard and a creed a secondary standard? Well, if you don't know, uh, uh, before the final ordination of someone, they will ask them questions about the Bible, primary standard, inerrancy, so forth and so on. They'll ask them a bunch of theological questions, but they'll eventually get down to, do you agree to the secondary standard, the Westminster standards as we call them? And then they'll say, do you have any exceptions to that? Now, a lot of times there might be a half a verse here, half a section here, half a section there that they have an exception. And then the group, the presbytery, will determine if that exception's so minor, no problem. Like if they say, I don't believe in the section on the Trinity, they're not getting in. <laughs> if they say, I disagree with this little half sentence in the larger catechism about implications of, well, there's a whole bunch of little zillion of them. Uh, 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 yeah. They're like, oh, fine. Um, so, this verse is telling us the Bible's theology, properly understood, is always the same. The center of it is Jesus Christ. And implication for us, go to a church that has the Bible as the primary standard, and it would be nice if the church wrote down what they say are the main things. And in this Presbyterian system, we do that, and we call it the Westminster Standards. Conclusion. Verse 8 is a great verse. Jesus Christ. Many, many things to say about Jesus Christ in the Bible, but one thing to say is he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He is eternal God. He does not change. He is creator and redeemer. Now, as redeemer in his mediatorial work, he saves the same way in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and forever and ever. He used this grand creed in two specific situations. The first one is dead leaders can actually aid you. And I made the little suggestion of read some Christian biography. Uh, second, he makes the point doctrine is important. The doctrine is the same throughout the Bible, properly understood, and coming into here, and you need to be aware of it. Now, everybody's called to be levels of expertise in doctrine, but at some level, everybody has to have 
a core understanding of the Bible. Triune God, Jesus Christ, Savior, um, and the wonderful vows that the young people took today. There's a nice summary of the Bible. To be a member of a Presbyterian church, you just have to believe in Jesus and have a credible profession. To be a minister, ruling elder, you've got to know some more theology. But how wonderful the core, you believe in Christ, and Christ saved those children just like he saved everyone else. And he saved people a thousand years ago in the same way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Love, many parts of the Bible, love all the Bible. Love especially the many statements about Jesus. Here's one. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. May that warm your heart and may you love Jesus more because you know more about him. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune God, eternal, immutable, all-knowing, all-wise, all-gracious, all-glorious, may we fall down at your feet and may we be thrilled that you don't change and you love us with an everlasting love. I pray this in the name of the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.